Our second reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 20 through 31. Listen for the word of the Lord. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters, and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind, And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that God had made, And indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Of all the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, and every living thing that creeps upon the earth, my favorite creature lives just about two hours west of here in the small streams of the Blue Ridge Mountains, in the tiny trickling creeks that in some places are no wider than my wingspan, live the most beautiful fish that I know of, where the boulders are big, the rhododendron are plenty, the pools are small, and the water is crisp and clear and always cool. That's where the southern Appalachian brook trout make their home. But to the locals, they are lovingly known as either brookies or natives or specks. Their backs are a dark forest green with small yellow freckles on top. Their tummies are a sunburst going from yellow to bright orange and at the bottom, neon red fins. On their sides, they have bright red dots with royal blue halos. They look like some type of 
upside down mountain sunset with fireflies. And a big one, the kind that you write home about, is no bigger than the size of my hand. I spent a summer in the Blue Ridge Mountains two years ago, technically working at a small country church for one of my seminary internships. But I spent most of my time in the mountains fishing. I went fly fishing every chance that I could get. When the church office closed at 1 o'clock, I went to my apartment, which was conveniently right upstairs, and I ate lunch. And then I took a nap because fish are not active in the heat of the day, and so neither am I. (laughs) And then when I woke up, I would go to the streams. I'd fish until sunset and then head back home and tie flies for the next day. If I had an evening meeting at the church at 6, I was pulling into the parking lot at 5.55, still dripping a little bit. My favorite stream is on the Blue Ridge Parkway, mile marker 286, all of 20 minutes from the church I was serving. Goshen Creek is an absolute treasure. The boulders are large. The flowers are beautiful. Trees and rhododendron and mountain laurel and lady slippers line the sides of its banks. And it is full of brookies. This is where I fell in love with the native brook trout. My first time I was there, I was using a yellow sally stimulator fly, which means if you're not familiar with fly fishing terminology, that it is a really small yellow and red lure that to a fish looks like a big fat Thanksgiving dinner bug sitting on top of the water. I get down to the first pool. I cast in my fly, bam. Out of nowhere, I have a fish on the line, I pull it in, I get it in my net, and I lose my mind. It's a brookie, a speck, and it is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. I take a picture, trying my best not to drop my phone in the water as my hands are shaking with excitement. And then I remove the hook, and I cradle it in the water, gently rocking it back and forth, feeling the quickness and the strength of its muscles until it's ready to swim safely back to its home. Then I immediately call my dad. I just caught the holy grail and I have bragging rights from now until eternity. When I get to heaven, I might even brag to Jesus that I caught a brookie and he didn't. I had to tell everybody about this fish. And my adventure that day was cut short. I had to hurry back to choir practice. So at 5.55, I'm shucking my boots and my waders in the parking lot so I can get in by 6. And when I get there, I'm showing off the picture of my fish to anyone and everyone that I can corner for just five seconds. Showing off pictures of brookies became a regular part of my life that summer. I fell in love with these fish. It began as an overwhelming infatuation where they kept filling my mind 
every thought was a brookie's. And then it became a relationship of true love. I learned the patterns of their streams, listening to the whispers over and under the rocks that I was blessed to overhear. I learned their way of life. Stay in the clean water. Look for a food source. Find the shelter among the rocks and the roots. Pay attention to where the basic necessities of life that we all need come together. The fish and the water and the rocks and the trees and the flowers and the bugs and the birds and the wind and the rain all preach to me of how connected God's creation is. Every single part is connected to every other part. God touches them all. And that is beautiful. It was not uncommon that summer for me to be in my fishing gear at the pizza parlor or the grocery store or just walking down Main Street. And inevitably, I was always talking to somebody about the fish in the streams I love so much, preaching the gospel of protecting native fish in ancient waters. And one morning towards the end of the summer, with the end of the internship and the beginning of the school year, much too close for comfort, I struck up a conversation with an older man at the local drugstore diner. He asked me what stream I was going to, what flies I had been using, how luck had been in the previous days, and what I did for a day job. When I told him that I was an intern at a church preparing to become a pastor and trying to get in as much fishing as possible before the end of the summer. He asked me if I had ever kept and eaten one of the brookies I love so much. He said, there ain't nothing better than broiled speck and mushrooms. You have to try it before you leave the high country. But I said, nah. I don't keep fish, I do catch and release. And besides, it's illegal to keep a brookie on the parkway or in the wild sections of the streams up here. And he looked at me and he said, well, it's just one fish. And besides, being a preacher, you know that the Lord gave us dominion over the fish of the sea. Just one fish? Because we have dominion? The southern Appalachian brook trout is highly endangered. It was almost wiped out last century because of logging. When loggers began to cut down trees, the creeks got warm. And the native brookies, which descended from Arctic char millions of years ago, couldn't survive. They now really only live in protected areas like the Blue Ridge Parkway in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And we continue to roll back protections of the small waters where they live. These are the only native trout in Southern Appalachia. If you see one of these fish, it is because God put it there. And through some miracle, we haven't killed it yet. But all over the Blue Ridge, They're still cutting trees down. They say, 
It's just one stream. There are plenty of others. Except that every stream of Brookies is on a different evolutionary track. So much so that they don't interbreed between streams or with stocked fish. So every time we diminish public lands and cut down forests, especially near these streams, whether it's to grow Christmas trees or raise hogs and chickens or build vacation condos that will be incredibly underused, that part of the gene pool is lost forever. Every time Duke Energy spills coal ash into a river, or hog waste gets dumped into a mountain stream. That strand is lost forever. But it's just one fish. It's just one stream. And we have dominion. Ever since that sixth day of creation, humans have gone overboard with the whole dominion thing. We have exploited land and sea and plant and animal. And even that wasn't enough. About 500 years ago, European colonizers figured out that they could expand their dominion. If only they could figure out a way to turn humans into something not human. So they made up a fake theology to do just that. Now white colonizers didn't just have dominion over plants and animals but over other humans. And they said, it's just one island we're taking. It's just one continent. It's just one earth. We hear the it's just one philosophy all the time. Here in Greensboro, one of the most impoverished historically black and minority neighborhoods sits on top of the old city dump just east of North Carolina A&T. And it continues to poison the land and the people who live on it. But it's just one neighborhood. The rest of the city is good to go. Or maybe we'll just knock down one block of buildings and affordable housing in order to build luxury apartments. Or we'll just let the earth heat up one degree. We'll just lose one island, just one glacier, just one species, just one people group, just one planet. Surely there are still others. And the Lord gave us dominion, right? No. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. For God alone founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Every translation of the Bible is a theological statement. And using the word dominion is a poor one. The word that we translate as dominion is the word radah. In this context, radah suggests ideas of stewardship, responsibility, and being among creation. Renowned biblical scholar Ellen Davis points out that it is grammatically impossible to radah over something. She warns readers to steer clear of language of domination. 
and suggest the translation. Let us create humans in our image according to our likeness so they may exercise skilled mastery among or with respect to the fish of the sea and among the birds of the air. But we instead commonly translate it like the word malak, which does mean to rule over someone or something, like the king who Samuel warned us about, who will take and use your sons for war and take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers and take the very best of your field and take from your grain and your vineyards and your livestock. Genesis gives us language of stewardship, not domination. And if we believe that we have true dominion over the earth, we are horribly mistaken. Remember, the earth is the Lord's. We are the appointed stewards. We are forbidden to exploit land and animal. We cannot simply do as we wish with them. And humans were never intended to control other humans. God created humanity in God's image. In the image of God, God created us. It is impossible to control other humans if we recognize the image of God within them. Because the image of God can never be controlled. Notice. I did not say the image of the false god of greed and colonization and fairy tales of eternal economic growth who teaches that everyone and everything can be ruled over. But the image of the one true God who teaches us to care for neighbor and creation, who even has an eye on the sparrow, who clothes the lilies of the field and the brookies of the stream with more glory than Solomon in all of his splendor, who is continuously working toward the redemption of all creation and invites us to do the same hand in hand with the rest of humanity. And who might have 99 sheep left but will never say that it's okay to lose just one. And for that, thanks be to God.